God's word that we meditate on this morning is our epistle lesson from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul writes, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved to come to a knowledge of the truth. This is the word of the Lord. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again to remind you. <laughs> this is a sensitive, touchy topic, especially in the climate we are living in today. Our relationship with our government and talking about our governmental leaders and politics it's timely, and it's something that we need to talk about, because it's something we are, have to deal with every day of our lives, isn't it? It's in your face. You can't help but not have to face it and, and react to it. And so, as Christians, what we're doing in this sermon series is not trying to cause more division, but looking at the principles that God lays out in his word. The truths of Scripture that are timely right now, but also timeless, that apply to all people of all times, including us today. Principles that might make us cringe a little bit. Maybe already you're thinking about where this sermon is going, and you're like, oh, really? Yes, really. These principles that God lays out that we then take and apply in our lives. Today we have before us this topic of praying. Praying for all of our leaders in government. And maybe I gotta ask the question, like how often do you pray for your leaders in government? And how often is that part of your prayer life? Do you realize that, that nearly every Sunday we pray for our leaders in government in our prayer of the church? That's the prayer that comes almost right after the sermon. And almost every single one of those prayers of the church include praying for those who lead us, our government, those who protect us and care for us, those authorities over us. And, and nearly every one of our prayers of the church are participatory, meaning you participate in the prayer in some way. Which, what that means is that it's not the pastor's prayer. <laughs> it's not everybody else's prayer, but it's your prayer. So I know that at least one time a week you are praying for your government leaders, whether you're paying attention at that point in the service or not, you are. But we are called here to pray for our government leaders. And all of them. Not just the ones you agree with. Not the ones that are affiliated with the party that you tend to affiliate with. Not just the ones who are good and moral, but all of them, every single one of them. We are called to pray for all those in authority, the Spirit says through the pen of Paul to Timothy here. But maybe it's also good to ask ourselves, well, what do we pray for for them? That's a probably an important question, right? 
there is a uh, country group, I'm not even sure if they're around any long, called Jaren and the Long Road to Love. They around, they, they're like a two-hit wonder, I think. Um, they had a song about 10, 11 years ago called I Pray For You. I don't know if you're familiar with this song, but, but uh, he talks at the beginning of the, of the song about going to church and you know, um, hearing the preacher talk about um, you know, letting God take revenge and not worrying about those things, right? And all you've got to do is pray for those people. And then he goes in and talks about the prayers that he has for this girl who hurt him, obviously, and says, I hope that the flower pot falls off the windowsill and hits you in the head. Right? And all these bad things that he prays for for her to happen to her. And then the, the end of the refrain is, just I want you to know I'm praying for you. It's meant to be funny, but that's not what God is talking about here, of course. It's not wishing evil upon our government leaders. It's not wanting God to harm them or hurt them in any way. So what is it that we pray for? Well, Paul tells us here in his letter to Timothy, as he's encouraging this, this young pastor, uh, it, Paul's kind of Timothy's mentor. Right? He's, Paul's older than him. He's been a pastor longer than him. And so he writes him at least two letters that we have in the Bible, right, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And here, near the beginning of his first letter to Timothy, uh, you know, only in chapter 2, he writes about praying for all people, but especially kings and all those in authority. And he says, this is what you're to pray for. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for these in authority over us. All right, now it sounds like, well, what's the difference between those four things? It sounds like he's just using, you know, talking about the same thing in four different ways. In a way, maybe, right? He doesn't want to leave anything out, right? I, I don't want to just say, just pray for them. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving for these leaders in authority over you. But each one of them has a little different flavor. Petitions is praying for something. Praying for something specific. Okay? Something that you need. And so when we pray for those in authority over us and we offer prayers of petitions, what do we We need under their care, right? Safety, right? Laws that protect us. Right? Good leaders who are faithful and wise and do what they're supposed to do. Right? We, we pray for... Uh, those who are going to be out and protect us in the military, right? Petitions for things that we need from our government that God has established for our good, as we talked about last week, right? Petitions. And then he talks about prayers. Well, that's a pretty general word, right? I mean, we use that word all the time, and it's just referring to this whole topic in general. But the word prayer in the original language has this sense of um, devotion or, or reverence for the one you are offering that prayer to. And so what Paul means when he says offer prayers for those in authority over you is meaning you don't pray to those people. <laughs> you pray to God for those people. Right? You are showing respect and honor and reverence when you, and devotion to God, when you go to God on behalf of these people in authority over you. So you've got petitions, you've got prayers, and then he says intercession. And intercession is to intercede for somebody, to, to pray on their behalf. Right, so we take them to God, but then we are to pray for our leaders. And there's probably a lot to pray for, right? <laughs> that God would give them wisdom and strength and courage right, to do the jobs that God has given them to do or that, that they've been entrusted to by those who have voted them in. Right? There's lots to pray for, for our government leaders. Way, many ways to intercede for them to our God. And then he mentions Thanksgiving. 
And like we talked about last week, again, remember how I mentioned that all of these sermons are like kind of, you know, they fit together like a, like a puzzle here and they, they overlap. But, but remember how we talked about how we thank God for the government that he's given us. As corrupt as it might be, as evil as some of the people might be, that they misuse their authority or abuse their authority. Yet, think about the blessing that having some sort of order in, in our society gives us. Right? The blessings that come. We, God tells us to give thanksgiving. Offer thanksgiving in your prayers for the authorities, for that government that God has placed over you. Right? It doesn't really leave anything out, right? <laughs> Petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving. Pray for all those in authority over you. But maybe a, a natural question that comes in is, well, why? I mean, God already knows what's going to happen, right? I mean, they're just going to, like we talked about you know, with our gospel lesson, they're just going to keep on doing what they're doing anyways. Why pray? What good is it? Well, there's a lot of good that comes. Number, the first thing you want to think about is, is about that gift of prayer. What it really is. As we mentioned in the children's message, it is us having the ability to talk to God. Us getting to, he wants to hear from us. He wants to listen to us. He wants nothing more than for you to first listen to him in the word, right? Law and gospel, but then to respond, right? That, that conversation is just, that's what your life is. It's as, it's as natural as breathing, right? That conversation of you listening to God and you talking to God in prayer. And the gift of prayer is only given to Christians. Unbelievers cannot pray. They cannot come to the Father. They don't believe in him. They don't care about him. Only Christians are able to pray. They believe, and so therefore they pray. It's a response of faith. And so you think about that in relation to our leaders. They need our prayers. <laughs> they need the prayers of Christians, because those are the only prayers that are heard by our Heavenly Father. I I've heard the number that 60% of Americans claim to be Christians, confess Jesus Christ as their Savior. Six out of ten Americans... That means that us, the six of ten, have a responsibility to pray for those in authority over us. The other four can't. God doesn't hear those prayers and he can't answer those prayers because they don't believe in him. So we have a responsibility as that 60% of Americans who do believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, who can approach God in prayer to pray on behalf of these authorities. Second thing, as I already touched on, they, they need our prayers, don't they? They need them. As much as we might joke about how, oh, they can just take a two-month recess. Might be nice. Must be nice just to just take off whenever you want to, right? Their jobs are difficult. I'm guessing that there's very few in here, if any of you, would want the job that your politicians have, that your government leaders have. Because you know what it entails. You're going to get a lot of hate. Because you can't please everybody. It's impossible. You're always going to have people who are angry at you. And they're going to tell you about it too, right? They are entrusted with making decisions on behalf of many people that affect many lives. They have a serious, weighty responsibility on them. They need your prayers for that. They are, they are given a lot of responsibility. And sometimes it's not always easy to know what's the right thing to do. Like you know in your life, life's not always black and white. There's a lot of gray area. 
And it's the same for our government leaders who are trying to make decisions. Where they got to be guided, right? Pray for them as they do their difficult jobs. And then we don't just pray for the good ones or the ones we agree with or the ones we think are upstanding people. Pray even more so maybe for the corrupt ones and those who have given in to all of those selfish interests and are just looking out for themselves or for those who are tempted to do that by these others. To pray for their wisdom, to pray for their strength, to pray for their morality, to pray that they would govern on behalf of those who have entrusted that right to. Friends, all of them need our prayers. Every single one of them need them. That's why we should. And Paul mentions another reason. He said there's a benefit to us too. He says, pray for all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Right? So they need our prayers. Right? They, they need it to carry out their work. Right? That's a good reason to pray. But also, Paul says, there's a benefit to you. When they're working for the peace and stability of our society, blessings trickle down to us, don't they? That we desire to live peaceful and quiet lives. Isn't that what we want? We want peace in our lives. We want quietness in the sense of, you know, no, no uprising, no, you know, that there's just, we can just live our lives, our Christian lives in godliness and holiness. That we can go into this world and we can share our faith with other people. That we can live our faith out Right? With our neighbors or in our workplace. Right? That we can continue to gather publicly like this and hear God's word and preach God's word. Right? We need that peace and quietness in our lives for these things to happen. For us to be able to live our faith and talk about our faith, exercise our faith in our Christian life. Right? There's benefit to us in our Christian lives when we have leaders who are working for the peace and the stability and the order of our society. There's a benefit here for you, too. Hundreds of years before Paul was inspired by the Spirit to write these words, the southern kingdom of Judah was defeated by Babylon, the superpower at the time, and, and, and Babylon destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem, and took many of the people from Jerusalem, from Judah, and took them as exiles into other places, including Babylon, all the way back to Babylon, thousands of miles away. And it's interesting what God comes to his people in Babylon, right? His, his Old Testament people, the Jews, right? His chosen nation, right? And that destruction came because of their sin, because of their disobedience, because they wouldn't repent. And God warned them over and over and over this destruction was going to come if they didn't. And then it did. God kept his word. But he brings word to his people who were in exile, away from that promised land, thinking God has forgotten about them, thinking God doesn't love them anymore, Right? And he comes to them with a message through the prophet Jeremiah. Listen to this. This is from Jeremiah 29. So this is Jeremiah speaking to those exiles in Babylon, his people. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number in there. Do not decrease. Now listen very closely to this. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for the city, because if it prospers, 
you too will prosper. God is telling his people to pray for this godless nation, for these enemies, for these authorities over them who have ripped them from their homeland, destroyed the temple and their city and their homes, and taken them thousands of miles away and replanted them as exiles. God says, pray for them. <laughs> pray for the city where you are. Why? For it's, if it prospers, you too will prosper. Friends, that's a principle of Scripture that we can apply to our lives today. You may not agree with everything your government does. You may not think that every politician is morally upstanding and is someone that you want to model your life after. But pray. Pray for your nation. Pray for those who lead that nation. Because when you do, pray for its prosperity and its peace. Because when you do, those blessings trickle down in your life too. Pray for all those in authority over you. Pray for those who God has established over you so that he might bless you, so that he might bless your life, so that these blessings of peace and prosperity might trickle down to us, that we might live these peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is for our benefit, too. But there's one more thing, one more reason why Paul says, through the inspiration of the Spirit, why we should pray for those in authority over us. It's for their benefit. It's for our benefit. But then he says right here at the end of our lesson, this is good, praying for those in authority over us. And it pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Friends, this message of the gospel is not just for a few, but it's for all. If we go with that six, of, six in ten Americans that are Christian, that means there's four in ten Americans who are not Christian, who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior who either follow a different religion or have no religion at all, who have no relationship with Jesus Christ, who don't know that peace and that joy and that hope and that forgiveness that we do. Four of ten Americans. And what happens, Paul is saying, by inspiration of the Spirit, is that when you pray for those in authority over you, and they are carrying out their duties, and there's peace and there's quietness, we're not only able to go live our faith, but we're able to proclaim the message of the gospel. God, our Savior, wants all men, all people, to be saved. To know Jesus Christ and his peace and his forgiveness. To actually know who he is to be saved. Not that he was just a good man who came to live a good life. Not just to be an example for us to follow. But that he came to be our perfect Savior and substitute. He wants all men to know that. Because he came and did that for all people. He came to live that perfect life that not a single other person can. To live perfectly obedient to the law for us, for every human being. He came then to go to that cross and to die, to take the curse of the sin of every single human being on himself and pay for it there. That God does not desire the death of the wicked, as he says in the Old Testament through Ezekiel. He desires that no one perishes, that no one goes to hell, but that all would come to know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. This is what God, our Savior, wants all people to know and to believe. 
to know this truth that is meant for all and through it find that peace and that hope and that forgiveness. And friends, when we have good government, when we have leaders who are governing for the good and peace and stability of our society, that message of the gospel can spread all the more. Pray for those in authority over you. All those in authority over you. Pray for them, for their wisdom, for their strength, for their courage to do what is right. Pray for a benefit for you that our lives might be more peaceful and prosperous and blessed and also for all those who don't yet know Jesus Christ is their Savior. That in the freedoms that we get to enjoy, that we can continue to proclaim the message of the gospel to those four of ten in America who don't yet know so that God desires to reach all ten of ten. That this message is for all. Friends, I hope you see how important this is to offer prayers and petitions and intercessions and thanksgiving on behalf of those in authority over us. For them, for you, for our whole nation. So the gospel might continue to spread. Pray. Pray for all those in authority over you. May God give you the strength to do that. Amen.